0: The following program is not appropriate for young humans or the easily offended. We trust your judgment. Canadian PirateCast has no sponsors and is filmed before a live studio audience.
1: Take my host, sing and come and drown them. Um. at the wind wall will do much good.
0: Hello, this is Canadian PirateCast's summer special. I'm your host, Captain Beckham Kidd.
1: And quartermaster, gummy bear.
0: Here, with one less migraine, making her twice as twice as much confident. <laughs> um, how are you feeling this week, gummy bear?
1: Better than last week.
0: That's good. I'm wearing because I'm doing a really long work stint, but it's uh, you know sailing the high seas and just really long time away from home. But it's all worth it to get that gold.
1: It's been a crazy storm.
0: It has. We've weathered it. Um, so while we're working on the next episode of next official episode of Canadian Pirate Cast, um, we want to, we just wanted to have this other thing planned for fun because I like to play video games, but I do not like to spend a lot of money playing them. So I usually wait until a game is like a year or two old and, um, it's gone on sale. And, uh, one of the important reasons for this too is in the age of games that we live in, there's a lot of patching, and like a game almost isn't the same quality when it's initially released because game developers just release half baked games that get fixed over time, which is a pain in itself, but you know, it's all a complicated industry. But that being the case, welcome to Late Train Game Reviews.
1: Yay! Choo choo! <laughs>
0: Uh, today, we're going to be, um, today, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I just,
1: I wanted to ask you, um, a really important question that that just made me think of. Mm-hmm. How many chuggas are you supposed to say before you say choo-choo?
0: I don't know.
1: I mean, there, everybody has a different answer. Oh, is There's this, just, I thought, which is always fun. I thought this was a joke.
0: I didn't think, uh. I didn't think it was. I thought there was going to be a punchline. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think here. I always think like in maybe six, like chugga, chu choo I don't know. Wow,
1: it's. Everybody has a different answer to that question. I would say two. I've heard people say four. I've heard people say ten. I think that's too much. And you laugh at me.
0: Someone, so, so, someone chose ten, and you laugh at me for choosing six. Man, you I'm the. At
1: both of y'all.
0: I'm the moderate. <laughs> Maybe you're impatient. Maybe maybe you just you have no sense of reward and payoff. <laughs> like two or three. Two or three? Chugga, chugga, choo choo. Chugga,
1: chugga, chugga,
0: choo choo. I don't even do the chugga, chugga, though. I was just thinking of, because that's my favorite thing from Janet from The Good Place is like, she always goes, choo choo. <laughs> it's like, that's all you need. Is the I choo-choo. love Janet. Janet's the best. And we're off topic. But so. That okay. was fast. That was really fast. That was a fast train. I'm so sorry. Oh, God, what's the train, quick train tangent? So, video game wise today, back to. I guess we're on late train reviews. So, I guess train facts are <laughs> relevant. Haha, <laughs> 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 technically it's relevant. Um, so, for late train game reviews, uh, we're going to be talking about two games I think are kind of interesting to compare nowadays because of where, uh, how they started, or kind of where they started and where they are now. The first one is the original Final Fantasy VII, which is a really iconic game among gamers that I have only just played now in my 29th year of life. And, uh, and, and Gummy Bear, in particular, has uh, was obsessed with the uh, music of that game um, from back in the day.
1: Fantastic soundtracks.
0: And so we thought that'd be a good game to start with. But comparing that to a modern game that would be considered mid-tier nowadays, but I thought was incredible, and I put like 120 hours into because there's so much to do and it was so fun, was Yakuza Zero. Um, and both games are about 20. I think Final Fantasy VII, the original, is like maybe 10 to 15 bucks on most platforms, and Yakuza Zero is 20, and it's just interesting where they are nowadays so starting with final fantasy 7 um it's kind of a funny thing because it was like final fantasy games were originally exclusively on nintendo consoles and then when the polygon era came in video game for like the n64 and the playstation um final fantasy split off of uh Final Fantasy split off with the PlayStation because the PlayStation had more power because they had a very ambitious um, they had a very ambitious uh, story and graphics and detail that they wanted to do. So the game Final Fantasy was released in January um, 1997. And the uh, again, I think this is noteworthy because of Gumby Bear being obsessed with the music, is uh, the composer was Nobu Usamesu. Iyamatsu? Nobuo...
1: Uh, shoot, I just had this in my hand. Iomatsu. Nobuo right.
0: Iyamatsu. Uh, Iomatsu, sorry. It's a T. Mm-hmm. And, um, no, and I, I agree with her, and feel free to interject anytime about the soundtrack, but it was uh, it was phenomenal, and I could understand somebody listening to it um, having it in a playlist. Um, it was very well done. Uh, the story of this game is about a group of eco-terrorists that are trying to save the planet um, by destroying from the evil corporation Shinra that's sucking the planet dry of energy. And uh, so it's very it's a very on the nose um, story, but giving it credit, what I really liked is that like later in the story, your characters get called out for like blowing up reactors and like killing Shinra employees because like you are you're criticizing an evil corporation, but you're attacking back with violence. Like how is that much better? And I thought that it was—I just like the game was self-aware in that too, because it seems like it's going to be a very on-the-nose story about being nice to the environment and not abusing it, and like obviously. But it was um, no, the game was well-rounded. Unfortunately, the overall plot is like really confusing, Um, and I feel like that's a bit of a—a lot of that is a translation issues in the '90s. Um, so, I had to watch a YouTube video to fully understand everything. But the characters in the game are phenomenal. And it's kind of funny because the game itself is like very. It's very typical JRPG and it has some fun mini games. But it. Um, and so, like, the, the mini games we'll get into later. But the game really stands on its characters. And I, I think that if the game didn't have such good character design and artwork. Then and with the with the personality in these characters, then it wouldn't have it wouldn't be the icon that it is today. Um. And so the characters like are all very diverse and interesting. You have Cloud Strife, the main character, who's like blonde, spiky hair, JRPG protagonist. Ex- his last
1: name is so edgy.
0: Just like his sword, that's as big as he is, <laughs> um, and his spiky hair. Um, but he's actually, like, a fun character, and he, like, he cracks jokes, and I feel like it's worth noting that right before the final boss, you know, that encounter in every JRPG where you, um, oh, there's, let's just say, this is a 20 year, over 20 years old, so let's say spoilers for this game. Let's say, let's say, spoiler, let's go, spoiler warning here, just. To be clear, for anybody that cares, which oh, nobody does for the three people listening to this podcast. Thank you. We appreciate you coming back and listening to me ramble about games I think are worth talking about. I really do appreciate you listening to my opinions. And feel free to uh, contact me and tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> um, but uh, the last line that Cloud says before going to the final boss is, let's mosey. And I just think that's great. And it's just he's like he's a character just he makes jokes he's casual at times like he's really he's an interesting character he's followed by his childhood friend named tifa who's totally in love with him and she is like your typical fighter who kind of mixed of like magic and fighting and um her character arc is that she's in love with cloud but is like afraid to say it but she's also a badass and independent um strong female protagonist um, then we also have Aerith, who dies, <laughs> and, but is also a good character, and it's actually, that's funny, because I was being cynical starting to play this game, because if there's one thing that every gamer knows is that Aerith dies, it's just a thing, and so I wasn't even going to get invested in her character, but she's actually very interesting, she's in the game for about, like, half of it. Um, she's a funny character. She mocks Cloud for being like, oh, I'm going to do it because I'm a man. Like, it's really, she's hilarious. (laughs) Um, so she's not even like a, she's not like a princess in a castle character. She is like, the game just has strong female characters, which is kind of good for its time. Um, in a time where like other female characters like Laura Croft, their character arc is that they have big boobs. Um, these characters just had great arcs. Um, then you have Red 13, who is a, uh, a smart dog that's, like, has a kind of typical JRPG story of, like, last one of its species, and it's, like, oh, his, his ancestors were cowards, and, like, they, they died, they ran away when they should have been protecting, and then it's, like, unveiled in the very end that they died protecting, and it was, like, oh, my God, I was wrong, and I'm gonna hold up their legacy. It's a very common JRPG story trope, but still, like, a good one. You have Barrett, who... Sorry, I... This is funny, and I don't mean this as a sight against Barrett, but he just somehow is a bit forgettable in the game because he is, like... He starts off really strong with, like, having a daughter he cares about. Um, you're always worried about Marlene, and um, he's talking about her all the time in the beginning. But then through, like, the mid-game, he's kind of, like, just kind of pushed to the background, and it's hard to... And you just totally forget about him unintentionally. Um, but he's an awesome character. He has, like, a gun for an arm, and he's, like, hot-headed, and he's the one that gets owned about being like um you guys kill people too so like don't be a freaking hypocrite um and he has a like good moment of realization and then i think he like they kind of cover what happens with like his daughter in the end but um you have in
1: the movie
0: she is well that's what I mean. marlene is more in the movie actually i think Marlene's more in the movie than barrett is um if you want to talk about that which is the movie yeah
1: he's definitely not in it very much
0: yeah I did, well I thought it was funny though because like she's Marlene isn't in the game very much but she has more screen time in the movie and she... Shows
1: up to go alley-oop.
0: yeah <laughs> it's great it's a great moment like that was that was a good fun moment in the movie um, next we have I'm trying to remember these off the top of my head for without notes so I want to see if, how iconic these characters are. We have Vincent Valentine who is this kind of brooding vampire that's really funny because he's just very dry with his delivery of everything who's like an optional character to unlock there's my favorite character in the game, Yuffie, who is this ninja that's obsessed with stealing materia, which are the little thing orbs you use to cast spells. And she's hilarious because she is like always just trying to steal materia. And there's a little side quest where she steals all of your spells and you have to like spend an hour leveling up and going trying to find her and steal them back. Um, And there's like a little thing in her village where she's always been obsessed with materia nobody quite knows. And she's hilarious but like in the and you meet her as like she tries to rob you and then you beat her and then like through um dialogue options you get her to join you but what's really funny is in the very end of the game there's a point where the characters like divert paths and then every character you don't take with you will have like an item for you at the end of the game before you fight the final boss and yuffie's item the first thing she does is pretend she doesn't find anything and then somebody calls her out like oh hey yuthi didn't you find something for cloud she's like oh yeah right and it's hilarious because it's so in character <laughs> and it was amazing and i was so she's like my favorite character because she's just funny and consistent the entire like um game plus she uh she has like air sickness too so she's a badass ninja but whenever they're on the uh flight or whenever they're on the whenever the sid's flight thing is they uh what am i thinking of it's not like a it's not like a
1: oh i don't remember what they called it it's
0: not like a blimp but it's like a floaty jet thing it's like a giant helicopter jet thing um
1: so one of those final fantasy weird aircrafts that's clearly not in existence
0: yes uh there's cat scythe which is a weird character is like it's a cat robot that's just a really good spellcaster who doesn't really have much of a story other than just being shinra a spy and then also because it's like and it's like actually kind of dumb too because it just like randomly joins you and you're like okay join us like random cat thing we meet in like like in midgard's ver- or version of las vegas and uh or whatever the final fantasy earth is called i don't actually remember it's, no the entire earth isn't called midgard that's just the main town they live in um, um either way um
1: backtrack
0: Backtrack. check thank you uh, thank you gummy bear so uh, but so th- it was actually disappointing because it was like I love kitties but it was uh, it didn't really have much of an arc and just he was like randomly still your friend
1: it's pretty it's pretty uh, it's
0: called Gaia yeah. oh god so on the nose really on the nose oh my god okay so yeah Earth is called Gaia in Final Fantasy 7 very on the nose but again it was self-aware though which it, like I appreciated but then it almost kind of comes back to the thing like <laughs> oh is it okay just because it's self-aware um which is like it's like yeah like someone like you know killing somebody isn't like a better person because they're self-aware that what they're doing is wrong it's like no you're still murdering a person that's not a great example but i think that self-awareness isn't a justification for that exactly
1: Uh, apparently it was retroactively named gaia but for like the whole game the entire series it's just called the planet
0: that's fine though that would have been fine though because yeah. calling it the planet would just been didn't like
1: have, they didn't have to actually like name it but... okay well okay that's it's good. fine that they did too that's I good
0: that's good if it was retroactive but because we're doing it does so on the nose though like calling it the planet would have been like yeah because that's like you know what i mean we all get what it is but calling it is like so on the nose um final character is also my favorite one and he has a fantastic story arc though i want to talk about is Sid. Who's like this Shinra, he's a plot pilot for Shinra, but he doesn't like Shinra, he just wants to go to space because he likes flying shit. And he has like, he had a failed rocket experiment go, um, and there was like, he had an assistant that he blamed for it because she was doing some work on it because she thought something was wrong. And then full background at the end of the game when you launch off in this rocket, um something goes wrong in that area and she snuck on again to fix it and Sid has a realization. He's like, oh my god, she was right. Like, she caught this and I was so mean to her for so long. And it's just a nice, um, it's a nice thing where, uh, comes back for it. Where, like, they, um, he, he fixes it up and they become friends again. And, um, but Sid's like a hilarious character because he's so, like, hot mouth and he, I probably identify him the most because he, I just, like, I, I get robbed up and say shit. <laughs> um, I was gonna say, though, as, uh, like, other notes for the game, though, it has one of the best final bosses of all time, Sephiroth, and we joked about that music in, like, our first mm. episode, um, but it's really cool, and it's, like, they it's a really iconic boss to the point where, like, when there's secret Final Fantasy bosses, it's usually Sephiroth. It's, it was very well designed, and, like, while his story is confusing, the character design was so cool, with, like, a single wing on his arm, but like, oh, it's so badass, <laughs> um, I mean he has
1: a whole choir like singing his name. I mean how much how much better do you do you get?
0: Well I think it's a, it's a it's just good it's good hype men. It's like when we get famous enough we're gonna hire hype men just to chant Captain Kate Gummy Bear behind us slowly. Like and so I'm like, Captain I'm Kid, so on board Gummy Bear And just like and well they'll have <laughs> better rhythm than me, hopefully. Um if we can afford that. <laughs> um <laughs> Some of the uh, mini games in Final Fantasy are totally a mixed bag. So, like, there's a motorcycle mini game where you're going down a highway and you're trying to stop uh, motorcycles from hitting your van, and it's actually a really fun mini game that you can replay later for like extra points. Um, but then there's effing terrible mini games that, um, like the submarine one where you're supposed to bomb something and I couldn't figure it out to save my life. And I just bombed everything I could until it worked. (laughs) And so it's like, they're, they are not all equal strategy, but they were, they were, they were trying stuff though. Right. And that was kind of like the, uh, you know what I mean? Like it was, the game was ahead of its time. They had a lot of content in there. It just wasn't all winning. And that's kind of the, one of the, um, get into it more, maybe more later. But one of the only pitfalls of the game is that it hasn't aged well. Um, but it's it was revolutionary for the time, which is, I think, the most interesting thing about it. Um, as some extra notes, though, and this is getting into super spoilers for story details, but these are, like, so funny, I think they're worth mentioning. Um, so the NPCs, when you talk to them, are so on the nose, also with, like, everything's are more convenient now, but the planet's animals are disappearing. <laughs> or the plants and animals are disappearing. So very, like, yep, yeah, the... Energy bad, nature good, get that. Um, there's a point in the game where Cloud is like undercover as a guard, and he has a ending battle cinematic where he spins his sword. And it's like, da-da-da-da-da-da, like Final Fantasy music. Um, and the guards learn his special move and start copying it throughout the game. And then you can fight these guards in the very end, and then when you defeat them, they complain that when they were faced with death, they never got to use their special move, which is <laughs> Cloud's sword spin. <laughs> um, it's very funny. Um, early in the game, there is a wine or uh, uh, wait, shit. What's Harvey Weinstein? Harvey Weinstein, like character in the game, that's like a crime boss called Cornero who's like obsessed with women and has women sent to his harem every night. And, uh, well, and that's where Cloud dresses up as a woman, because he's trying to get in oh to find God. his friend. <laughs> yeah, because, like, it's the whole joke that Cloud has to dress up as a woman. It's, like, a third, no, it's, like, a, not even a long thing. It's a 30-minute point in, like, a 40-hour <laughs> game where you just have to disguise yourself as a woman. You go in with Tifa to find Aerith, and then you go up to Cornero's bedroom, and he picks one of the three of you, and he looks at Cloud, he's like, hmm, you're pretty, and it's like, haha, it's funny because he's a boy, which is, like, I think it's, like, a Japanese trope. Because I get you to do that in Breath of the Wild. Like, I feel like there's been a lot of Japanese games I've played where it's, like, a joke that a guy has to dress up like a girl and to get into a place. Um, I think it might just be a cultural, like, joke. Um, so Again, someone feel free to tell me I'm wrong, because I love learning. Um, but... It's I guess what's really funny about Cornero is that like there's a point when he pulls a lever on you and you fall through a trap door and he does like a special dance move where he's humping the air and it's oh just really like shakes his hips and humps the air and it's really funny <laughs> and because again it's just like I don't know again it's it was just the, it was made in the nineties different times but I guess oh, never mind there's other stuff in games nowadays there is an amazingly cute cinematic gondola ride where Tifa tries to confess her love to Cloud and just doesn't do it it's so cute and the music is amazing and like it it really makes you feel things like the music's so well composed and like conveying feelings for um things um trying to think here uh i may have a random note here that i don't distinctly remember in the game but it wrote tifa has a slap fight with the blonde girl which i think is probably elena from the turks
1: oh yeah probably. um
0: Oh, and it's like a weird thing, too, because I was curious about how NPCs would change as the game progressed. So in the beginning of the game, there's a kid outside of a bar who's like, oh, my dad does this drink all day now because he's out of work because monsters have invaded the mine. And then so you kind of go in there and you talk, you see this drunken dad and he's like, Oh blah, I can't work because of the monsters. So you're like, OK, there's going to be a mission in the future game that I have to go clear these monsters out. You do this, you go to the whatever the mine is and you clear the monsters out. When you go back to this area in the game later, and the mind is now clear, the kid is like, the world's going to end now, so all my dad does is drink. And then you go back inside, the dad's like, oh, why bother with anything? That's like, the world life sucks, let's just drink. And it's like, okay, so that's just, yeah, I guess that's like how alcoholism works, so that's pretty fucking depressing. <laughs> but I just thought that was a funny detail in the game. Um, There's this, uh, I'm trying to think here. There's this missable detail in the game too that I think is actually really kind of crazy to bring up because one of the things where the story gets confusing is that you think your hometown has been destroyed and it's a whole thing where like you go back and everything is fine and Cloud's like, what the hell, this was all destroyed. And all the people are like, oh yeah, everything's been fine. And it's like a big mind fuck. Um, But it's... And I say that as, like, a really... It messes with your mind, like, and that's, I feel like, that's the only word to describe it. But later in the game, you can find... And this is, like, a missable thing, where you read a report saying that they... Shinra rebuilt the entire town with fake actors to pretend that nothing happened because it was, like, where a calamity happened. That was their fault. So it's kind of... It's like, oh, my God. Like, then it kind of makes more sense. Um, So there's, like, little missable story things there that... um, might that you might totally like miss. Um, so the story like does do some good job of conveying some stuff, but just not all the details. But I really like that detail because I was like, oh my god, this makes so much more sense. Um, and there are a lot of self-aware JRPG jokes, and I thought this was unique to the time. But Gummy Bear totally corrected me on this um, like weeks ago, saying that like a lot of games do this, or a lot of JRPG games did this before. Um, in the '90s and all that, but like jokes about people crap on you for entering their homes and looting their chests, and like, hey, you don't belong here. Um, Mm -hmm. there's a point when you defeat two guards, and a woman says, "Gulp, there goes two perfectly good guards." So just like little, like it's fun. I think it's hilarious. But I think that might have been it. Um, and yeah, and just like I guess closing on on Final Fantasy VII as a game. I think that it was a good game for its time. But again, like it hasn't aged the best in like graphics quality. Um, there's some things that I don't know if they patch this in, but there's a thing in there now to speed up um, how fast everything moves and progresses. Cause some cutscenes for like, some of the battle animations are really long. Like, isn't how long the Sephiroth, Sephiroth's solar flare attack or whatever it is, or me, what's it called again? His ultimate attack, it's like a five-minute cutscene. And you don't think that's like a lot until you realize like his battle is like half an hour long.
1: That's crazy.
0: Make half an hour to 40 minutes long. And imagine just like, and of that time, there's like four five-minute cutscenes where you can't do anything. But it's like five minutes just to attack you. So when I played this game on Nintendo Switch, there, I, I don't know if this is an old thing patched in or a new thing. But they had a feature on there to click it and speed up everything times three. So it just goes by faster. Especially for when you're grinding. Because the game has a lot of really good summon animations as well. But it's just not as... Um... But again, there's some of them get pretty long and they're awesome. But when you're grinding them, it just adds up. So I like that feature in there. Uh, this game is... It's funny because like I would say that this game is worth playing if you're like me and you're interested in gaming history. Because that's kind of where we're getting to the point now where this is like... Gaming history is like... Not preserved. I'm not the first person to point this out, or like, uh, but but it's um, gaming history is complicated because games can only be played on certain systems, and with emulation and licensing, it gets all to be a complicated mess. And there's not like a consistent way of preserving it yet. Um, and I just think it's interesting in the time it's developed to be like, because speaking of a similar game I beat this year that I loved was Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which also came out in the PlayStation One, and that game was so fun. I will probably play it again before, I, unless I die, short a young death because it was just such a very good game. The graphics were amazing. It was 2D, 16-bit graphics with a little bit of 3D in the background. And the game was so well-structured, it was just a very fun game. And I would like to do a different a different episode than that when I replay that game because it's fantastic. But I thought Final Fantasy would be good for this just to compared to the next game we talk about, which I think is amazing. And I have nothing but amazing things to say about it um gummy bear like any final thoughts though on the final the seventh final fantasy
1: it wasn't the last one
0: the first one wasn't the last one i know I know. and for anyone that n- wants to know fun fact about that is uh because there's a misconception that the very first that they named final fantasy or they made the final fantasy as like a uh it was their last game. They thought it was going to be their last game, and that's why they named it Final Fantasy. But it was actually a bit more complicated than that. It was, the company had like already been bankrupt, and they were kind of finishing things, but they had they had different names beforehand. But they had to change it, I, I think they had to change it for legal reasons, and they ended up with Final Fantasy. But they just, it was not um, because, they, they already thought they were going out of business before they named it Final Fantasy. So, it's like a thing. And I still think it's a cool story, though, where Square Enix came back, and now they're on Final Fantasy Fifteen. The misogynist one, right? One there's no there's no girls in that one, right? Gummy Bear? <laughs> there's uh there's
1: I like it. It has the stand by me <laughs> at the beginning and it's cute.
0: I know, I'm just joking. It was just funny. There was it was a funny a small child pointed out when watching footage of Final Fantasy Fifteen. This was hilarious that it's like, how come there are no women in this game? <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> As a quick correction, the little girl exactly said, doesn't this game know that girls exist? Because there's been so many good, like, again, Final Fantasy VII had very good, strong female protagonists that were awesome. Uh, So it's just like, Final Fantasy XV was the most recent one. The game is obviously not sexist. It was just what they were going for. They were going for, like, bromance in Final Fantasy XV, which is nothing wrong, because I don't think they've done a bromance Final Fantasy game yet. I think they've always had, like, a mixed-gender cast.
1: They're working on sixteen.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, sweet. And, like, they... The games are not all great, but they're consistently good. Um, But again, so, yeah, I would say play Final Fantasy VII if you're interested in gaming history, like me, but otherwise you can probably skip it. You're not going to get much more for it. Play the remake. I heard that one's good. Still want to play that one.
1: Me too.
0: Well, I got it for free, so I'll scan the system and see if I can get it on yours, too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Hello. Um, We just wanted to take a short break to uh, say that we lost our sponsor from the uh, last episode. Apparently, I didn't read it with enough enthusiasm, whatever that means. Uh, And because this is a bit of a bonus episode, we won't have a traditional sponsor. Um, Because as you may not know, Gummy Bear is a medium. And we can use her to channel Canadian spirits that definitely approve of our programming. Um, So today we're going to channel, and I've already possessed her, with uh, Marcellus Gilmore Edison, the inventor of peanut butter. And uh, for anybody that's like, what? Not that guy from the U.S. that everyone talks about? No, not that guy from the U.S. that everyone talks about. Uh, Peanut butter, was the patent was issued to him in 1884. The Peanut Bureau of Canada which is the Canadian branch of the Amer- American peanut council uh, says, this is so on their website. And uh, if you have to say, if it's an organization dedicated to one single thing, then they probably know what they're talking about. And I was actually going to ask like, so Marcelius, I have to ask you, how do you feel about people that just like have one thing, in their identity, like someone that grew up and just said, I want my entire job to be about peanuts and literally nothing else. What would you say to that Marsilius?
1: Peanuts are very good.
0: Well spoken, like a true entrepreneur.
1: They're full of protein. Delicious. I like to crush them.
0: Fantastic. And um, we're going to ask you one final question uh, before you uh, go back to the uh, Great Beyond today. Um, How's my hair looking?
1: It, It looks pretty good. Thank you. I would... I would put peanut butter in it. It's good shampoo. Is it? It's pretty oily.
0: Well, we'll find out next time, Marsilius. Thank you for your time. Now go back to the afterlife. Thank you for endorsing our product. <laughs> and we're back now from our short break. Uh, thank you for coming back. If you're returning,
1: my throat feels weird.
0: Why did? Well, I wonder why would that be. You should drink some water, Gummy Bear. Um, probably all that possession. Like, you know, it's like you're, like, you know, only, you can only carry the soul of, like, another human being for so long. It definitely wears on you.
1: It's a little painful.
0: Just a little bit. Um, the, expe- the expelling, though, was, like, a pretty clean process. <laughs> he didn't leave any, for some reason, though, there's, like, peanut butter on my ceiling now, so that's weird. Um, anyway.
1: <laughs> That'll be hard to clean up later. Yeah, well, I'll get a mop.
0: Um... So I want to. The next game I want to talk about is one I fully endorse, and I will begush bill for for the next period of time here. This is Yakuza Zero, and this is I think one of my favorite games I've played in the last, definitely the last ten years. I like this year when I was going to school. I didn't have a lot of energy at the end of the day, and so I would all I would just play, end up playing a lot of video games. And this game is so accessible and how like there's so much going on that you can just drop in play for a short period of time and then go but, drop out It doesn't start off that way And I'll get into this, um, but it's just a really good round game to play if you're willing to put the time into it um, It's amazing It's was released March 12th in Japan uh, in 2015 and worldwide January 24th 2017 and the reason for the huge delay in that, um, as opposed to like nowadays where localization on games doesn't take isn't is done like a lot faster than it used to be done. Um, that's because the amount of dialogue and Japanese characters in this game was incredible. It took a year and a half to localize because it had 1.8 million Japanese characters in the game to translate, um, where the average JRPG, like Final Fantasy VII, has 1 to 1.2 million. The game has 34 pages of Mahjong explanation for people that don't know how to play. And I don't know how common it is to know what to play in Japan, but it makes sense that they would need that for, you know, um, the world, like the rest of the world, because it's not that, I, think, I don't think that's a super common game outside of there. As a bit of a weird, funny detail, too, in the game, um, they had a contest for, or not really, they hired the 30 most popular adult video models, or AV models in Japan, to appear in the game. Um, this can range, This is I think this ranged from, I think this is mostly like a softcore porn, um, the softcore porn side of the industry, and I feel that's worth distinguishing, because it's not like, it's, um, but these, because yeah. uh, these characters appear in the game. But the uh, top five appear in the v- actual video game as, like, top-tier hostesses with, like, a story and a background and a character, <laughs> um, which is really funny. Like, there's one that... I don't know if this is true to the actual models, which would be extra funny detail if that was the case. <laughs> but one has a cute story where she comes from a poor family, so she just makes a lot of fried chicken because she needed something easy to make for her brothers growing up. Um, there's another one that's kind of... She's always been, like, kind of excessively, like, beautiful woman, so, and, and, like, very strong and confident, but nobody ever asks her about her problems, so she feels like those people don't really actually care about her, and it's kind of, like, an interesting thing, and, like, they just have interesting characters, um, so it was kind of an interesting way to do this, these people in real life, and those are just, like, random fun details about the game, and uh, going forward, though, now to anybody that is worried about spoilers, because there'll just be a lot of them, because I just want to talk about these amazing stories in the game because it's the game is content rich there's no there's no bullshit grinding until the end and I'll I'll bitch about that at the end but overall the game story is incredible it the plot you follow Kazuma Kiryu who is a uh, yakuza who's like a yakuza young yakuza kind of apprentice and to clarify for anybody that doesn't know like culturally um, in Japan, the Yakuza are just like a crime organization, kind of like a mafia, um, essentially. And in the culture, Japanese culture, there's a bit of like a romanticization about them because there's like Yakuza soap opera drama stories in the same way where we just like have our daytime soap operas in North America. Um, and it's just a kind of a common thing. And this isn't like... this; is, It's really weird because the Yakuza are just a bit more... I guess a little bit more accepted in the society too. Cause like, I think that there was an, there was an occurrence with like a major earthquake happened in Japan and a series of Yakuza groups had um, donated money towards like the cause or like to help rebuild parts of the town. But then they also get involved in like human trafficking and drugs and weapons. So it's like, there's still a crime organization, but it's kind of like a, it's a bit of a weird um, cultural dichotomy I would say in Japan, which I find, I find fascinating. Um, the game itself, though, is, yeah, about this main character, uh, Kiliu, who is just kind of an awesome character who's well-rounded and kind of cracks jokes and um, is really fun to kind of watch go up. And he has, like, a strong sense of armor, or, sorry, honor. And he uh, fights for the Dojima family, which is... And then the game is kind of, has another main character named Goro Majima, who is a reoccurring character within the game. And is like a reoccurring anti-hero towards Kiryu through, Kiryu through the entire series, and he is like an ex-Yakuza who's been uh, who's been defamed because he he defied his Yakuza boss, and he's basically just trying to get back into the Yakuza the entire game. And it's a complicated the entire plot of the game is this amazingly complicated and dramatic plot about this small piece of real estate that. A series different crime groups are trying to get a hold of because if they own that small piece and they can they have control over a huge redevelopment project that's worth millions of dollars or millions of yen sorry and it's very um it was a very like interesting plot and I think what I really liked about it because there's so much dialogue and stuff happening is that you're not going to get everything and you're going to miss pieces of it, but you don't miss what's happening in the plot. So it's almost like watching a really crazy show like Game of Thrones. Where if... Or like sometimes even Star Trek, where it's like you miss a little... I'd say it's more compelling than Star Trek, though. But and I'm, that's not a dunk on that. I like Star Trek, too. But it's where if you miss a little bit of it, you can still follow the plot and it's still entertaining and amazing to follow. And the world building is the best part about this game. It really sucks you into what what living in a japanese city would be like and i feel like there's kind of a misconception a lot of misconception in japanese culture and there's many people that do a better job at going through the on me, than me on youtube but there's kind of the japanese culture that's like anime and stuff that we think that we see but then there's like actual like what it like what they actually what kind of things are are like over there culturally and like for hobbies and stuff like that and the yakuza games are notorious for accurately portraying this stuff um, very, in a very, like, ground-down-to-earth kind of a way. And that's not, to be fair, like, that's not a thing where... I'm trying to think out it, sorry. Because this game goes crazy sometimes. This game has a lot of absurdist humor, and I'll get more into that later, that is hilarious. That's also just a part of... But that's, like, a part of Japanese culture. But the world-building is a small town called uh, Kamurocho, I think. Uh, I might be butchering that, um, but it's it's the um, main city that it takes place in, in a way where, because people call this like a Japanese Grand Theft Auto, and it kind of is because structurally the game though is more in how like a Japanese how Japanese structure games than Americans Americans do, and um, so that you go exploring the city and the small like four blocks of the city and there are so much to do there's restaurants to eat out at there are pedestrians and side quests to interact with there are mini games to play that'll i get into and there's a large amount of them there's like at least 15 that are all fun and you get benefits and different things from and the game has a very good completion list for like do these things to unlock these things and you get more benefits and unlock special weapons and stuff So the game rewards you for unlocking things. So you want to do it. So you want to do these fun missions and these extra mini-games that are all... They're all fun and not... You're not going to like all of them. Like, I went the entire game without playing Shogi or Mahjong because I didn't have time to learn 34 pages of game explanation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I appreciated the effort, though, because, like, I would like to learn Mahjong. I just... I was in the middle of schooling and I didn't really have time for that. But I like that it was in the game because... Again, this is considered a mid tier game nowadays, and it's amazing. It's like where it has way more content than something that Final Fantasy, because, yeah, Final Fantasy VII came out, let's say in America, North America, 20 years ago, because this came out in 2017. So there's a 20 year difference between them, mm. and the amount of content is baffling. And I think it's um, just so cool the leap that we've made game-wise, or game wise, or gameplay wise and you can really tell where this game is like where things have to save money. Cause there are like certain animations that characters do. Cause not all of the interactions with characters are beautifully constructed cutscenes Like you'd find in a modern final fantasy game. Um, but they don't have to because the story is good. And the game was like, the good game was reasonably budgeted and they market, they didn't try to oversell it. They marketed it to the niche crowd. The weird, the people like me that want to play a Japanese GTA instead of a regular, Amer- a regular one. Um, with this greater emphasis on, like, story. And, um, again, more... As a quick, like, side thing for, like, GTA 5, I barely played any of the mini games there because you can play them, but there's not much of a payoff except for, like, trophies and stuff. But Yakuza 0 does a great job at just be like, okay, if you get, like, three strikes in bowling, you get a point, and you can use that point to exchange that to run faster or do a thing. So as a player... It's important I feel like it's really important to reward the player with that time if you want them to invest that much time into the game and play it. Um and just as an extra thing too, I want to talk about the sound design, because I know Gummy Blair saw me play this game a little bit, maybe, or seen footage I showed her. But the running around Camarocho is incredible as like you hear the different sounds of like the vending machines or the gambling machines and the pink pachinko machines and stuff going around and the different beeps and the sound of like people moving around the city and stuff like that. It's just incredible. Like it actually immerses you within the city and, or within like a Japanese city and it just feels amazing. And I love the detail in that. It's like, it sucks me in and it's really fun to play too. And there's um, the main structure of the game is a combat system where it's like where Grand Theft Auto has guns this uses martial arts and you can get guns through like enemies can drop guns you can use them as like weapons but they're not the main crux of the game it's mostly meant to be hand to hand combat kind of like just in like a beat em up game but it's fantastic to um play and it feels great um you upgrade your character as you unlock more xp points or or you get more money to unlock different moves and different finishing moves and it all just the system builds and rewards you really well too Um, there's even, like, a whole side quest game later in the game to earn more money to upgrade, um, upgrade your character. Where, for Goro Majima, he runs a hostess club, which is, like, a... I'm trying to Gummy Bear, like, tune in here and try to tell me, like, do this better than me, but it's, like, a... It's, like, a club where you kind of go on a date with a girl, but, like, and that's about as far as it goes.
1: I have no idea
0: from how the game portrayed it again like escorting no but there's no hooking up there's like no hooking up no you don't have to
1: have hooking up and escorting it's an escort
0: okay but i thought that but
1: then then, yes a lot of the times that's what that is a part of it
0: that's what i'm saying though so you have to say you have to like okay so it's not technically what escorting is but it's like implied
1: yeah i don't know what um
0: okay but that's a good way of putting it though then if it's like what else to call that because it's, well, it's specifically, like, it's a hard thing, though, where, like, if you could say that escorting, in our culture, is, it's, like, sex is maybe implied, it's not the case at all, where, like, that's not, you're not supposed to have touching or contact, and that could just be Japan a culture for rules in these clubs, and maybe that's why it's legal, but it's not, like, a, mm-hmm. it's not proper escorting, because there's, like, it's like a date, but no physical contact or kissing or anything like that. It's okay. just, you talk to these hosts, they they talk to you, you get drinks and stuff, and you just talk to them and have, like, a, have
1: a time. I have no
0: idea. Okay. Well, me neither. And I want to look more about this and maybe I'll mention it in next week's Corrections Corner. But yeah, like that's, um, there was just a mini game for to earn more money for Goro Majima. And then that's, and those are the, uh, that's the game where you get the AV models to come like work for you and they help make money mm-hmm. in your club, um, which is that fun detail. And then for Kill You, he has a real estate mini game where he just, it's like a typical numbers, like a mobile game, but you use it to make, you click on the things, you assign managers and make money. The managers you get are hilarious, though, and that'll be where you get the
1: spoilers for, like, random characters. Um But... So, I mean, as far as I can look up, they just call it a hostess club, and that's it. Okay. That's the name for it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, oh, yeah, it's like... I, it's called... That's They're called the hostess club, but I was just... Mm-hmm. It seems like the way they were doing it, because, like, there's a scene in the game where there's a guy that's like fondling a girl's boob and then goro majima's like sorry sir there's no touching in this club you have to leave and then it's like a because it's like a thing right um i think it's a thing cuz again these for the job title of these girls for them it's to feel safe which makes sense cuz maybe that's part of their job is that the date you're not supposed to be touched um but that's just what it seems like uh as a cultural thing so now i'm going to get into heavy spoilers for side quests because these are side quests that are so hilarious I'm hoping that anybody hears this would want to play the game after and um and like just give it a try because I think it's hilarious um and gummy bear I want your opinions on these heavily
1: apparently hostesses can be seen as a modern counterpart of geishas
0: oh okay huh that makes sense that kinda of makes sense.
1: Yeah?
0: No? Well like the the culturally that's a cultural thing. And like God I would love to go to Japan. That's why I love that we have cherry blossoms in the island. So I can pretend I'm in Japan when I'm <laughs> soulfully touching touching them and being like, thoughts as I think of things in cups and I touch my cherry blossoms. It's fantastic. Yeah. So
1: Anime monologue.
0: Anime monologue. <laughs>
1: narration as it's playing over you
0: and the camera pans to the side of the still angle (laughs) (laughs) be fantastic so i want your opinions on these stories because i think they're all amazing uh like obviously they're not all winners but these are the most amazing ones i think that are worth hearing about so there are two there's a billionaire there are two billionaires in the game as a whole thing where as their story arc and there's one billionaire that kind of like he just trying to throw his money around, but nobody pays attention to him. And he doesn't know why, because he's all flashy with his money. And this whole story arc at the end, after you complete his side quests is that, um, you're not thinking about You're like, you're not thinking about money correctly. Like you have so much of it that does isn't mean anything to you. Um, but money is a tool. It's good. It can be good or evil. It all depends on how you, who uses it. And so I think like it's not the game, and the other one has a similar message like this too. But it, it's for because the entire theme of the game and Rapt, what's his name, Rapto six six six,
1: Rapsos Productions.
0: Raptos Productions. Sorry, I don't know where I got the number from. He's a YouTuber so that does a no
1: six, six six six. I don't know why
0: I got the number. <laughs> I'm crazy. But Rapsos Productions off YouTube does a good job at pointing out um, in Japan. There's in the '80s, uh, which is where this game takes place. There's a huge like money culture. Um, So it's interesting that they kind of talk in this way where it's like about, I always thought about like how they don't have like any like, oh, pro-communist like things, the money. It's kind of go with just like matter of fact things that are like, yeah, money's a tool. It all just depends on how you use it. Um, As another side quest, there's a character called Mr. Libido, who is like just the horniest guy in all the city and both of them have it.
1: And that's his name?
0: Yeah, the guy that dances in his underwear that has like does the crazy dancing in his underwear. His name is Mr. Libido.
1: Wow, it's
0: pretty great. Um, he has a whole story arc though, where he because he's he's so like horny all the time too. He's watches so many porn movies that he can't like he just can't get it up anymore. And he's like it's his identity, so you have to go help him. Oh my god! So you find him a video unlike any other, and you get it from like a mysterious salesman. And you show it to him, and then when you meet him again, he talks about it and he describes the the movie the ring and then that brings him back because it's so out there <laughs> that it got his it got his groove going again and he's Ew. back to being Mr. Libido oh. yeah it is but well that was it was originally a japanese movie so like that's kind of funny well, i know,
1: yeah i know
0: that i didn't know that well i knew that like okay i didn't know that when i first heard of the ring and i learned that years after the movie came out i've still never seen the movie I just, either i've not i haven't seen the grudge or the ring i haven't seen either um, i watched
1: uh the japanese like all three or four of them versions of the grudge hmm. like a few months ago much better
0: i believe it um
1: i also watched the remake which was horrible
0: <laughs> um Another recurring thing in the game is Mr. Shakedown, who is this big boss character that tries to beat you up and take your money. And they all have funny dialogue, but the one that um, two two that suck me up the most, and the other ones later in my script. But the he said that his father never told him to be dependent on anyone, which is why he steals from others because having a job would be being dependent on somebody else. <laughs> so he only takes things.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh!
0: It's Really dumb, but it's really funny because, like, it's like all the Mr. Shakedowns are like this, but I thought that was one <laughs> of the funniest ones. <laughs> um, this one oh, this next one is amazing, I love it so much. There is a magic mushroom salesman, and he says his broom mm-hmm. mushrooms are magical, but he's actually just like a regular mushroom salesman who's really passionate about it, and he thinks that his mushrooms Aww. are magical because he's like takes such good care of them. And as a recurring joke in his side quest, is people keep getting mad at him because they think they're buying magic mushrooms off him and so you have to try to teach him to be a less shady businessman so you like you teach him to sing a jingle and stuff like that and have like a good catchphrase and be more confident when he speaks so he doesn't sound all quiet and shady it's so adorable so cute The final one is that it's a mafia, an Italian mafia bus gets mad at him and he beat him up and then he tries your mushrooms and he's like, these are the best mushrooms ever. I wanted to have the perfect mushrooms for my father's restaurant, but I can never find them. Will you be my personal mushroom grower? So this mushroom guy goes to to Italy with him to to grow mushrooms for him, for his restaurant. It's the cutest thing. I love him so much. Yes, and it's great. And then the mafia boss comes back to Japan because the mushroom guy is doing such a good job for it's his business. So
1: awesome.
0: It is, and then he becomes a business manager for you, and you get a mafia boss business manager, and it's just funny. But like that was one of my favorite stories, and it's like he sings a little mushroom jingle. It's great. Um, oh my god. Okay, this one was this one was freaking hilarious. Um, so there's a thing where there's like a foreign worker, there's a foreign sex worker that is trying to talk to you and she keeps saying Iza to you and you're trying to like figure out what she's trying to say and she's like Iza what is it so you think she's saying pizza and that she's hungry and she can't work on an empty stomach so you go to the effort to get her a pizza and then like it's the dumbest thing because like you get the pizza and you have to walk it to her very slowly holding it up with like one hand like so ridiculous and then when you finally get it to her she gets mad at you because she's like, No, I learned. And she's like, Learned a bit of English in like the three minutes that you've been gone. And she says, I'm in visa. What kind of idiot would think I needed the pizza? And then he's like, Oh, your, your character's like, Oh. And then her pimp comes after you, and then you beat him up. And then it's like a thing where she tries to give him the pizza. She's like, Here, or like, because you took, because like, the pimp took her visa or something like that. And here's where it gets messed up. So, after he beat up a pimp, he confesses that he loves this woman, and that he'll no longer pimp her out if she, if she marries him. So, she marries this guy that smuggled her over, and the last line that this pimp says is, a new marriage is like a pizza. Enjoy it while it's hot. <laughs> um, for
1: like, what, 30 minutes?
0: Um, well, that's actually gets to the best part, too, is that for some reason, at the very end of it, the scene ends with the pizza delivery boy that gave you the pizza because you walked it from him to um, the sex worker he's behind you giving the thumbs up (laughs) like it's absurd and it's hilarious and I love it and you told me I think when I first told you that that like um, that's like very Japanese like absurd humor I was
1: just about to say that again Oh, sorry, I mean to take it through Thunder. Sorry, I thought I said... No, reading. no, that's okay. I totally forgot you told me that story before, and um, I was gonna say the exact... I had the exact same response as last time, apparently.
0: Well, you seem to have a better grasp of that stuff, though, because, like, I didn't realize... Like, I guess I knew about Absurdist Humor in Japan, but I didn't think about it, and you seem to know more about it's, that
1: than me. I don't know, like, if I would necessarily call it Absurdist, but, like, it's just, like, silly, like, these, like, silly little things like that. It's very, very mm-hmm. Japanese.
0: Okay. Um, this next one... Is I think my favorite, and let's go for some context for this. So in Japan, Michael Jackson is very popular. Like he's just a very popular character or icon in Japan, um, even now. Um, so in this game, in the game, there is the pop star Miracle Johnson, who um, you have to help him shoot his music video by beating up zombies while he dances down an alleyway. And it is directed by Steven Spinning, who is a Steven Spielberg parody. Um, and there's a few different missions with Miracle Johnson, and he looks like a knockoff Michael Jackson, because it's it's an homage. They're not taking his likeness, which I thought I liked. I like that they.
1: Yeah.
0: I wouldn't have liked that they put him directly in the game, because I feel weird when they do that with dead celebrities. I like that it was an homage, not a literal thing. Um,
1: well, was he already dead when they made the game? Yeah. Okay.
0: Probably. It was like it was the game came out in 2017. When did just look up when Michael Jackson I, died? Yeah, I don't remember um but anyway later in the game though because there's a dancing mini game you have a dance battle with him and he gets like a un- he, like he gets like an unbeatable score like you were never going to beat michael jackson at a dance contest or miracle johnson sorry but it's oh, fun
1: 2009 okay so long ago. Oh, my God.
0: yeah um there is a bowling mini game where if you get three strikes in a row a turkey you win a chicken and you think it's going to be like a whole cooked chicken and the girl at the bowling alley just gives you like a live chicken and it's like you end up thinking the chicken's cute, and you keep it as a pet. And he ends up being a uh, business manager for you, so you can assign your chicken, which you name Nugget, to watch over your business mini game. I that's one of my favorite things Do too. Do you
1: have to name it Nugget, or did you name it? No,
0: it's actually named Nugget in the game. Okay. Like it's they they named it Nugget in the game.
1: Chicken Nugget. Yeah.
0: Uh... Um. There's this, oh, God, there's this really weird one I want to talk about, and I, I don't know, it just stood out to me, but there's a, so, yeah, so, sorry, there's pocket, sur- you do a pocket circuit mini game, you beat this girl, she falls in love with you, you think that um, she, you tell her no, um, but her dad, like, oversees this, and he thinks that, he thinks that you're a pedo, trying to, uh, like, get after his kid, so he challenges you to a pocket circuit race, and that's how his handling of it, I just thought that was hilarious. <laughs> Um, then you beat him and explain that okay. you're not a pedo, your kid's just in love with him for some reason. and he's like, okay, and then you just become friends. I just thought those
1: okay.
0: yeah, that was okay, well, that's not actually it. <laughs> he at first he just kind of accepts it and he's like, you defeated me. there's nothing I can do And then you're like, dude, I'm not a pedo. <laughs> so it's it's weirder than that. It's much weirder than that. Oh, dear. That's not indicative of the game though these are I think these are like just Japanese cultural joke things. maybe. Um, well, because like again, they like they have the. You no,
1: know, but I don't. Yeah. Anyway,
0: sorry. No. <laughs> I have an extra note here as an extra thing. Sound design. I know I said that earlier. The sound design is so good. I feel it's worth mentioning twice. Nice. Um, there's another billionaire in the game that teaches you this move where you throw money around just to avoid a fight in the game because like thugs will randomly attack you and that's how you do combat in the game. So you can throw money to avoid a fight to save time. That's funny. Um. Hmm. But then it's after you invest enough money with him and then finish his story arc, he kind of he kind of says that all he does is hoard his money and make more money off of more money and he doesn't really value it. And um, but he watches you because you spend money in the real estate area because you um, through your real estate minigame, you kind of upgrade the neighborhood and everyone kind of benefits from it because like everyone that you get more traffic in and all that. And so it's kind of like a bit like he's like, yeah, like hoarding money doesn't really make you happy yourself, but like spreading around kind of fulfills you more as a person and like just kind of helping other people. And it's like, yeah, like that's not a terrible thing to teach people. It's not like spreading off communist bullshit. It's just like, hey, yeah, you share and have a community, you're probably going to be a happier person, which is just, I thought that was just a nice message without being super on the nose or it didn't seem so to me. Um... And yeah, so as a, just a reiterating that, yeah, they twice taught, just talk about how just having too much money makes you not really value it, which happens in the game too, because you get to a point where you have so much money you can afford everything, and so it's not a big deal. So it almost like it makes it work like that in the game as well, because you use money for upgrading your, Yeah, you, make your, you use money to upgrade your character, you use money to buy businesses to get more money. It's, it's really well done. Uh, the next Mr. Shakedown, hilarious... He, keeps, he just doesn't like that he keeps um, defeating you. You keep defeating him, so he's spending his, the money he takes from you to invest in training ranges. So, first, because he wants to become the strongest living creature, so he buys a mountain to train, which he ends up destroying. Um, he then buys an island and fights sharks and killer whales, and then eventually goes to the moon to train. It's pretty fucking intense. <laughs> he's a...
1: Dragon Ball Z shit.
0: I thought it was funny, just again, as the the other guy, the other Mr. Shakedown, that is worth mentioning. One of the best side stories I want to say for last year, and I think that this is like the most important one to talk about, is his name is Bacchus, as a joke. He's this drunken hobo, and his name is Bacchus after the god of wine. Um, Of course. He teaches you to fight, like kind of, and fight like street thugs and like deal with knives and shit like that. And this is actually completely missable if you don't talk to him after his final move. Because he gives you the final move. If you don't talk to him again, um, then he reveals all this kind of stuff. Is that he used to be a boxing coach. Because it's kind of alluded that he used to train people. Um, Then he, they, uh, mafia, he he was training fighters. The mafia wanted him to take falls and they wouldn't do it. So the mafia kind of built up a gym and just coaxed his trainer, his pupils into coming to work for him. And then they burned down his, his uh, gym. He got a loan to rebuild it, but then the mob bought his debt and now, like, owned his debt. He started training, Bacchus started training another boxer um, who couldn't be corrupted by the mafia. So the mafia just, like, stabbed him in the street and left him there. So, um, and then the mob lawyer defended the murderer and that guy got off scot-free. And so that's one of the reasons why Bacchus wants to train you in street smarts, because he doesn't want to lose any more pupils. So he teaches you how to defend against knives and crap like that. And you end up defeating the mob, and he ends up, like, kind of getting free. But it was just a really sad story, and I think it's kind of sad that it's almost missable, because, like, it actually almost made me cry. Because it was just like, because you actually, you keep going to this character throughout the game, and he's hilarious. Like, Bacchus is a funny character. And he has, like, this, such a heartfelt story that's eluded in the game, and then, like, oh my God, it just hits you right in the feels. So I just wanted to, like, end with, or one of the last good stories I wanted to end with. Um here's um here's two things i want to bitch about though quickly and it's because the game is not perfect but it's still i think worth getting the super secret final boss now i take final bosses seriously to me there's nothing better than a super secret final boss in a game there's nothing more rewarding than beating that because you feel accomplished and i love it so it really disappointed me in this game when the super secret final boss is not is poorly designed and i know that other people were able to beat it but I think that these bosses, because looking online, every guide to try to beat these bosses, you have to spam a bunch of shit. And I don't believe in that. I think if a boss is so hard that you have to spam something to beat it, it's not a real boss. And as a counterexample to this, in the new 2016 God of War, there are these secret bosses, these Valkyries, that all have these kind of crazy killer moves that will annihilate you. But they're predictable patterns. You just have to learn them and adapt and read and work with it. And then the super secret final boss... Spoilers for this is an amalgamation of all of these powers all put together, and if you remember how to fight, how you beat every other Valkyrie, you can beat this final boss. And she's like just a little bit faster. It's so well structured, and it felt so gratifying to beat that. So I did not beat the final bosses, super secret final bosses in Yakuza, because I don't have time to work on spamming bullshit. It's I it goes against my beliefs for video games. Um, one more final criticism about this game is. Leveling up the power of your character, because eventually you unlock uh, your endless mode, which is just you increase the strength and HP and stuff for your character. But it is endless. Like it goes to 999 for it. Wow. And it's it's in it's like it costs like milli billions of yen to fill out one of one of these levels. Mm-hmm. So it was really disappointing for a game that rewards you so much for completion. To in the final end game give you something like literally endless that's like no no that's because I I'm not gonna spend time on that because that's way too much time. It's like finding
1: the, all the Crocs and Zelda just for a piece of poop.
0: Okay, well I think they did that to f with Gerard the completionist. I literally think they did that as a middle finger to oh, him. Yeah, for sure. Because he completes their games and criticizes when they don't do that, and then it was like poop at the very end. Like I think they did that that's as hilarious. like a bit of an you to him, which is kind of funny. Um, because I was like, just imagine if you were one YouTuber and they made a game that was like a thing to like make fun of your thing. So I thought that was, I thought that was amazing. Props to Nintendo for that. Um, as a final thing in the game though, Yakuza game, before we go here today, I want to say that here are all the Yakuza mini games, again, because this game is so content rich, it's worth mentioning. There's fishing, real estate battle royale, boiling, the cabaret clubs are catfights, which are just like it's kind of like a rock paper scissors mini game of having girls fight in bikinis. Um, darts
1: <laughs> classic
0: <laughs> classic Japanese stuff. Uh, darts, disco, pocket circuit, pool, and uh, the telephone club, which is like a dating sim kind of game where you kind of try to fire at the right answers. These are all really fun games actually like I didn't like again, oh there's also Mahjong and showy which I didn't get into. Right. Um, also there's lots of gambling there's poker, blackjack, like all these different gambling games, so much stuff to do Um, one just again finaling on this, my very final point here, this game goes on sale regularly, it's worth it it's worth the full price of twenty bucks, but if you're even cheaper than that, which I was, <laughs> wait until it goes on sale for ten and then buy it. I got a hundred and twenty hours of this game, and I have no regrets. That's like incredible. I wouldn't do the I wouldn't do the full completion thing because again, it gets bullshitty in the end. But this game is an amazing experience, and it's one of the newer Yakuza games, and it makes me want to go back and play the old ones just out of interest in the series now because like. Again, it's like gaming history where I just I find this is interesting. It's a very niche mm-hmm. series that's not super well known, but it's been around forever. Um, and they've they've also just made other games that we want to talk into too as a quick thing. There's a uh, Fist of the North Star, Lost Paradise, which I want to beat with Gummy Bear and talk about later in the summertime. But that'll be for a different episode. But um, anything? Any final words for this uh, late train review before we go, Gummy Bear?
1: Thanks for listening. Um, please contact us and let us know how many chugos you say before Choo Choo.
0: Yes, do that. <laughs> we'll, we'll mention it in the next video and uh, give that person a shout out. <laughs> um, thank you for listening. Me ramble about games I think are worth playing. Um, and uh, we'll have some more local Canadian content uh, next week and just uh, appreciate anybody indulging my uh, our side project here. so sit down sit down, thank you very much for tuning in and I uh, hope you have a good day bye bye in a couple of fights you were nearly blinded you another way won't do much good Thanks again to anyone who listened to our podcast today. If you'd like to know more about what we talked about, sources are in the description. And if you'd like to contact us, ask questions, or give feedback, or anything, you can email us at CanadianPiratecast at gmail.com or follow Beckham Kid on Facebook and Beckham underscore Kid on Instagram. We also have a Facebook page for Canadian Piratecasts. We appreciate anyone taking the time to talk to us. And that's all in the description. Bye!